0: Thank you for joining us at uh, Beer Fish Fanatics. And this episode is actually brought to you by Whisker
1: Seeker Tackle. So make sure you guys go to WhiskerSeeker.com for all your catfishing gear. Enjoy the episode, guys.
0: This episode is brought to you by Kelowna Brewing Company. If you live in Eastern Iowa, make sure to swing by Kelowna Brewing Company's tap room. Amazing food and amazing craft beer. If you live in central Iowa or in the Midwest, swing by your local supermarket and see if they carry the Kelowna Brewing Company line of beer. And also swing by your local restaurants, local bars. See if they have Kelowna Brewing Companies on tap. If not, make sure you guys request it. You I kid you not, you won't regret that other than that enjoy this episode guys all right everybody welcome to another episode of beer fish fanatics this is grandy with my pop fishing we have Kit with the fishing kit YouTube channel. Man, I almost loved that one. I know, man. It's only your own name, man. Dude, come on, dude. You act like we we just started this yesterday, but. I know, I know. <laughs> and today we are actually joined by the, I guess you could say the musky expert, at least in our eyes for sure. He's the musky expert. But uh, we got Mr. Matt rock Thank you for joining us, sir. How are you doing today?
2: Excellent. Thank you guys for having me on. I don't know if uh, I'm much of a musky expert, but I definitely. Uh, Try and chase them from time to time. That's for sure. <laughs> Good enough for me.
1: <laughs> you catch more of them than anybody else that I know.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, quick shout out to our sponsor, Kelowna Brewing Company. I'm doing the uh, the Brown Ale again today. I'm doing the Bulltown.
1: Bulltown. Boom. What do you got, kid? Brown, huh? brown I ale. got the uh, got the Doppelbock lager, The lubricator. Ooh, yeah. It's and another dark one. It is a dark. You beer. Gotta drink all these dark beers before it gets too warm that's true that's true matt what you got man
2: i got uh the adventurous brewing uh pleases pie pineapple it's a sour ale pretty solid stuff they just came out with that one i think like i don't know a week or two ago i could be wrong on that don't don't quote me on the dates
0: (laughs) (laughs) cheers guys cheers 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 Mm, yeah i I do like the brown ale um yeah, you know what? Actually, I don't really drink any sour beer. I think the only sour that we've actually ever drank, and I was okay with, was the one that you gave us at the the beer festival. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah,
2: that was, I, I just talked to John the other day, and he said that they're just getting ready to do another round of that, uh, the pickle, the mm-hmm. heavenly, oh, I can't remember what it is, <laughs> heavenly crisp and devilishly crisp. <laughs> Callie helped me out in the background there. But, uh-huh. There you go. That was a pretty big hit at the
1: craft Fruit fest. Those things went pretty darn quick that day. Yeah. See, I, I remember that event. After I think you gave us a sour and maybe had another sour. I was like, you know what? Maybe sours aren't too bad. And I then I went, I went somewhere and I, I think I got a sour. I was like, man, this is pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> It all depends, man. It all depends, but
0: uh, yeah. But you know, by popular demand, we got Mister Matt back, and a lot has happened actually since the last time I think we spoke and had you on. Uh, number one, congratulations. Uh, I believe uh, you have a uh, uh, one that's coming. Is that correct, sir?
2: And that is very correct. Uh, it should be at the end of May, so that uh, will be. An interesting interruption in summer fishing events for an undetermined amount of time, but we're very much looking forward to having a little one around.
0: Awesome! Congrats, congrats! <laughs> and then uh, I think your your YouTube channel hit over a thousand. Congrats on that! That's
2: awesome, Woo! man. Thank you very much. Yep, but uh, still don't have enough watch hours monetized. So thanks, YouTube. All right. <laughs> All right. So
0: that okay. So that's the case. Everybody who's listening to this, go to Matt's <laughs> channel and just let that shit roll. <laughs> just just let it play in the background you don't even have to watch it well watch it if you want to watch you know amazing muskies being caught i'm just saying but just let that shit roll get the hours up man <laughs>
2: <laughs> i haven't checked it in a while though so that could have changed i don't know there you go but what,
1: what, what uh how many subscribers you got now
2: i think uh uh 1235 i think was what i was at tonight I just checked a second ago because I threw up a couple of shorts for whatever reason. Sometimes my shorts gain more traction and I can get some subscribers from those. So I've been trying to just kind of throw stuff out there and see what sticks. I um, was fortunate because I had one one hit pretty good with like 22,000 views, which isn't a lot in terms of YouTube, but it's a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was with Ryan Becker of Iowa Muskie Guide Service. So happy to get him some views. And then the one from Tracy with Iowa musky guide service, he had one where he was doing some like fall musky tips and that one got like 11,000 views as a short. So that's pretty happy, especially for those dudes to just, you know, they were kind enough to invite me out and take me fishing. So nice. if I can get them a little, little extra PR, that's awesome. I know Ryan told me the other day that he was able to book a couple of trips from just uh, the YouTube videos that we shot together. So that was pretty, pretty neat, pretty rewarding to hear that.
1: There you go. Nice. Makes it worth it.
2: For sure.
0: Maybe we can get you maybe like one because maybe we... <laughs> <laughs>
2: one listener or one subscriber. I,
0: I, I, at least that's always the goal. I
2: hope. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to just enjoy a nice brew and, and talk fishing. So that's what I'm here for. I hear you, man. And then you know what? Let's talk. I
0: mean, because we didn't get a chance this year. Our, our schedules had just been crazy. I know. We were trying to get on the ice and everything. And then now, look at us now. It's like ice is gone here in Central Iowa. It's like. Literally, I, you know, if you really think about it, I mean, most of the spots still had like 10, 12 inches of ice. And then all of a sudden, in one week, about a week, week and a half, I want to say, it just mm-hmm. just went to shit. So uh, we didn't get a chance to get on the ice. But how, how you been doing on the ice fishing, man? I, I know I saw a couple of your videos and pictures.
2: Yeah, it, it, the ice went fast. It was a good ice season. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you guys know, it was pretty short lived. I think we had safe ice that first weekend in January. And then, like, basically this week, which would be. You know the first week of march that ice is going off so yeah I, we we got on on the crappies pretty good a couple times on the is pretty good i don't travel very much for the ice fishing thing i'm fortunate to have some connections back home and able to get on some water there with with some dudes that i'm good friends with and it's nice because i don't get to spend a ton of time with them during um during the open water season so mm-hmm. being able to spend some time on the ice with them is always i always look forward to that it stinks that we weren't able to hook up again because like I, we we texted that one time and then it was like the one weekend I was free. You guys had stuff going yeah. on with sake fishing. And then like the other weekend that you were free, then I think I had school obligations that weekend or something. I, I don't remember, but it just didn't quite work out, yeah. unfortunately. it's kind of bummed about that. Do you, you have
0: any like goals or anything for the ice season this year? Did you hit any goals or did you have anything going into it at all?
2: I guess my biggest goal was to just (laughs) catch some fish for fish fries because I don't keep a lot of fish during the the open water season because I'm out musky fishing and chasing for trophy fish that I'm not going to keep. I mean, if we go to Wisconsin or whatever, I usually keep some pike up there to to fry or grill up. But like outside of those, I I don't keep a lot of fish during the open water season. So it's nice to kind of put a few fish in the freezer um, during the hard water season. So then if like, for example, during turkey hunting, usually we do a couple fish fries, or for my wife's family, we'll do fish fries, or even for friends that come over. So it's just kind of a nice treat and something interesting to do that's kind of outside the norm that people don't always have access to. I guess not everyone wants to go out and freeze their butts off on the hard water for some fish. So very true, I'll man. be that guy, I guess.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm I love ice fishing, but honestly, I, I want to say like last week I was I was pretty much over it i was like the last couple outings i went i didn't do too well anyways I was just like uh, uh, uh and then it was getting warm i don't know i i, I was kind of i was looking for and then i got the new kayak and i was like yep i'm i'm done with ice man how about you kid i mean i i know our ice season just kind of wrapped up how, how 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 would you say is the ice season been for you and and all that man
1: uh best season ever <laughs>
0: that's that awesome that's, dude yeah that's awesome that's saying a lot actually
1: I got. I'm. I'm gonna have like eight videos going into next season. Nice. Like, yeah. So I'm banking a few few videos for next season. I uh. I was gonna keep publishing videos until like March 18th, two mm-hmm. a week. Then the ice was gone just like that. And like uh, I don't know if people are really gonna be into the ice fishing videos right now. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just save them for next season. Maybe I can get a head start. Shit. Start publishing them early. You know what people are like getting itchy and hyping themselves up about it. Yeah. Technically, you don't even need to
0: release it. You're good to go to next year. You don't even have to create any videos next year. You can have the whole season off.
2: <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't have enough to cover the whole season. Yeah. Depends on how late we get the ice again this year. That's, That's true. Very true. Because
0: I think when when we have Central Iowa, we, we got what would you say about January? Right,
2: mid mid January yeah, is when we had. For me, it was like that first week of January here, and yeah. it just in Central Iowa, it's so variable because like we could have ice, you know, the second week of December, or we could have ice the second week of January, and it just depends on the year and the weather patterns and stuff that's going on. So, you know, yeah.
0: yeah, very true. It was actually it was pretty short then. I guess this year, literally, it was two months, like two months. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Sometimes we get two and a half three months if we're really lucky but yeah two months i mean i don't know as much as uh i like ice fishing like i said i, w- I was kind of over it <laughs> so i was like the cold it wasn't brutally cold though this year i don't know how did you guys feel like i mean the weather actually was pretty tame for winter wise snow wise, i
1: thought it was pretty tame yeah
2: yeah yeah there's a couple times i went out that it was cold but we just shacked up and fortunately we were right on the fish when that happened but Randy, I'll, I'll second you on the kind of just over the ice thing because we went yeah. Sunday last weekend and I was like, ah, you know, we, we found some fish early and we just struggled to get them to bite. We found a few quality crappies, a few quality bluegills, but like it just was not it just they just didn't seem to be that interested. I think I posted that picture online is like two 12 inch white crappies, but that was don't let the pick fool you because that was like all that was happening that day. So enough to eat, but. Yeah. nothing crazy
0: and plus it's just the gear man i i got mm. i was tired of taking all the gear out like taking the flip over a shack or whatever and then just it was just i mean i literally especially when i take my kids it's like 200 pounds of gear that i'm pulling and i'm like i'm not a young cat anymore and i'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm heavy weight as is as is i was like trying to pull that shit i'm just like all right i'm done man i was just but you know, uh, till next year, uh, I'll, I'll be excited. I mean, we—I guess we could still go up north. Oops, what did I just well, do? What happened? uh Oh, I don't know. What did I do? My camera. There we go. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> no, as I was saying, I guess we could still go up north. But I don't know, man. I'm just over it. I'm just waiting to to get on the, the open waters and 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 get the the new kayak set up and and ready to rock and roll, man. I mean, um, I guess we can segue into the open water season kit. What do you? Um, I already hit the river once this mm. week must be nice I know see you got long ro- I know you got long rods out already this guy so
1: And then I uh I rearranged the garage today pulled my car out moved the kayak out stuck all my ice fishing stuff into a corner so I'm I'm mostly ready for open water for sure What's
0: uh we'll start here man what what's um uh, Matt what what is your goal for 2022 for open water season what what's your goal or what what are you looking to do and um what kind of records you looking to break or
2: (laughs) i don't know i mean uh usually my goals are are centered around like just amount the like the amount of fish i can put in the boat or the amount of fish muskies that i can put people on this year is going to be weird because having the little one on the way is going to kind of wonk up the the time on the water and realistically with musky fishing it's just being able to put that time in to to catch the fish because even the best guys in the world sometimes will struggle you know finding fish catching fish so just not being certain as to how that dynamic is going to affect my time on the water this coming season uh it's tough to like pin down a goal like last year i was able to meet meet my goal i guess of of putting people on fish and, and catching fish and like the total fish in the boat, as I would consider it, were like over 40 muskies, which for my time on the water and, and like uh, the people that I had in the boat and the availability of just time to fish, I thought that that was pretty good. And I felt really fortunate to have caught that many fish or been witness to that many fish or net that many fish or however you want to quantify that number. So I think it ended up 46 or 47. I think I ended up with 27 myself on the year but I was just really happy to, to get that like total number over 40. I guess that was my biggest goal for last year. Um, and there's definitely some opportunities that were left on the table, but I also caught my biggest muskie last year. Um, and that was in Iowa too. So that was pretty cool to catch a forty-seven and a half wow. um, in Iowa in the fall. So, but that was one of those weird days where it was like, we didn't see a fish. We didn't have a follow. Nothing was happening. We talked to a couple guys that, it had some smaller fish encounters and then just out of the blue, no moon phase, no nothing, just a w- some windblown structure. And, and there she was. And then that was pretty much it for the day because I had to go to urgent care because she got me pretty good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, was, I, uh, Callie cool had memory. to take you, did she?
2: Yeah, well, she she didn't have to take me. It was just one of those deals where she had stuff going on for the beginning of swim season since she's a swim coach here in town and at the college. And, uh, yeah, so she just dropped me off at urgent care, but the urgent care was closed. Then we had to go to the ER. So then that was an absolute debacle with, um, you know, kind of the COVID situation going on and just in general, the ER and some of these communities can be kind of a debacle just because there's just not enough, you know, healthcare providers to serve the community at any given time, which is just, that's a whole nother conversation, but I was there for a while. And (laughs) fortunately we got everything taken care of and it, it all worked out. Got a nice scar now on my thumb. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. wear a glove. If you're going to handle muskies, wear a glove. Although to be honest, I don't think that one, I don't think it would have helped if I had a glove on it would have just went through.
1: So (laughs) Hmm. was it like a tooth or a a hook that got you? Yeah. So what happened was I, I went to
2: grab her out of the net And there's a spot, like, right under, uh, right under their gill along their jawline where you always put your thumb. And what had happened was as I was moving my thumb to put it in, like, the quote-unquote safe zone, she rolled over and, like, rolled her face onto my thumb and then just kind of bit and tore away. So, yeah, it just was not a good, it was just a bad confluence of events. And I didn't really realize how bad it was because I was all jacked up on adrenaline and having caught a big fish. So I was just. Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, then that turned into a debacle really fast because we were running a couple of suckers that day. So then what had happened was we were trying to get the wound patched up and then one of the suckers swam into the trolling motor that spot locked us on the spot. The wind was blowing like, I don't know, 15 to 20 at that time because it was in the middle of the afternoon and we didn't realize it. And we, all of a sudden I realized we were drifting into the bank and my buddy's got a really nice boat. So it's <laughs> was like, we got to get on that big motor in a hurry. And then we pulled it up and the, yeah, it was very clear. The sucker swam right into it because the line and the leader were all wrapped up in the trolling motor. So fortunately it didn't do any damage to the trolling motor or anything. We were just able to get some wire cutters and just cut it off and it was fine. But yeah, it was a real debacle there for a second between bleeding all over my buddy's boat and oh, the sucker the sucker like running into the trolling motor It's just it was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so for a novice or beginner or anybody who doesn't even you know musky fish or just myself who've never caught a musky or don't even know what to do, what? So this is you know the open water season is about to begin, and what would you recommend? You know how to, you know, how do I even focus if I'm going to chase a muskie? What would you recommend me doing and what do you normally do to prep to go after these muskies? I mean, how, I mean, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. That's why, uh, in case anybody's looking to get into because you know, it's like a fish of 10,000 casts. So.
2: For sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the learning curve is pretty high with them. And honestly, this is going to sound really cliche, but like, um, I would, at this point and, and knowing what I know and kind of the learning curve that I experienced, hiring a guide to at least start is a really good way to kind of intro yourself into the sport because the guide's going to have the the release tools, the safety gear, the fishing gear, you know, the net, the boat, all those things. And then that can kind of give you an indication of if this is a pathway that you want to go down. I understand that not everyone is necessarily has the finances to be able to hire a guide, you know, but like at the same time, you know, even here in Iowa, we're very fortunate to have some good guides like Ryan Becker, Tracy Crail for Iowa Muskie Guide Service. You know, Steve Jonasey out in our in our area towards the eastern part of the state. Like those are really good dudes who have been in the game a really long time that that know it well. Um, and that would be the biggest thing. If you aren't into hiring a guide, then I would definitely reach out to people like me or people that you know that musky fish. Um, and, and ask them, you know, what they should, what what their perspective is or what they think would be a good idea because there is a whole gamut of things from having the proper tools to release the fish, you know, a net big enough to, to house that fish if you catch one and, and like safe, safely work on the fish to get the lure out of it because the lure is a problem, the teeth are a problem, you have to be very careful with what you're doing and then, you know, leader, line, rod reel gear ratio how much pounds of drag Um, you know there's a lot of factors to consider with that whole equation that goes into these fish I mean realistically you know most of the fish that you catch aren't going to be like in that 30 pound class that are really going to test your gear I caught you know two or three this year that would have been in that range you know that over 25 pound range pushing the 30 pound range but like not all the muskies are going to be that way but the problem is when you encounter one that's like that it can be it can really test your gear and and that's that's more what the gear is for and and for um and for uh making sure that um losing my train of thought my cat is trying to drink my (laughs) beer (laughs) uh but those those fish don't always test your gear the lures will test your gear too like knowing how much torque those lures are going to be putting on the rod and the reel and stuff can be an issue because i had a rod break this year because i was trying to teach someone and like i definitely gave the kid a lure that was too big for the rod to handle but i wanted him to have a smaller rod but then it ended up snapping and it is what it is my fault but whatever um it's just part of the deal and 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 it's just kind of some of those variables that don't always get considered that can, you know, be problematic for someone who's just trying to get into the sport. Hopefully that kind of answers that question. I mean, that was kind of long-winded, I suppose.
0: No, I did. I mean, I'm cheap, so can I use a catfish rod and, 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 and go for muskies with a catfish rod? <laughs>
2: um, I would say it depends on... It depends on what avenue you're targeting those fish. Uh, I think with what you guys are doing, what what you have available to you with the catfish stuff, if you were running live bait for muskies, I would think that that would probably be fine. Because um, I, I guess I don't know. It, it also depends on how hard you set the hook and stuff. And I don't know how, I mean, most of the time you guys are using circle hooks, but I would imagine if it's meant to potentially handle a 50 pound catfish, then like it, should be fine for setting the hook hard on a fish, right? Like,
0: right. But That's what I was thinking. Yeah, no, you're right. That's, that's what I was thinking too. So I don't know.
2: But the, but the thing with the, those types of rods that are good for the live bait, they may, it, they'd probably work for trolling too. And that's something that I'm trying to explore more on my end of things. Now, I, I suppose if, to to backtrack a little bit my goal for this year would be just to explore trolling more explore these different avenues of catching fish because i started exploring trolling a little more last year started exploring live bait a little bit more last year and just kind of fit the pieces of the puzzle together and keep trying to fit them as well as i can and and just keep learning the sport and and trying to just hone in on my you know method or approach i guess you could say but yeah, uh, I, like you were saying, the, the, the rod, rod and reel thing is they're not cheap. So that's another avenue where hiring a guide can be beneficial because, you know, sometimes you'll catch muskies on bass gear or bass tackle, but like being able to effectively target them once they're keying in on larger prey items is a lot tougher with bass gear.
1: So I got live scope and I know... um. We briefly talked about it, but I know guys out there, they use LiveScope to look for the muskies and they mm-hmm. won't even cast until they see one, right? Yeah, I've heard about that. I My experience with LiveScope and
2: utilizing that for muskies has been primarily vertical jigging and it can be an incredibly effective tool. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous to see those fish come up and chase something that you're vertical jigging. It, it looks like, a scene out of jaws it's just really <laughs> bonkers um but and I know a lot of guys do it my buddy Barry does it I know um the ridgeways will do it from time from time to time I know that they got one of their fish in the PMTT last year doing it maybe more than one I just know of one off the top of my head but um it can be a very very effective pattern early season and late season cuz it's just one of those ways that it gets down in their face and just stays there but yeah I I know what you mean where they'll like search around for them but i think uh structure and bottom composition play a large role in that as well because like here in iowa i can side scan them pretty easy if they're depending on what the bottom composition is and depending on what the structure is Mm -hmm. however i run into issues even in wisconsin where i'm fishing structure that's more weed related or weed adjacent because uh what happens is those fish will just hunker down so tight in those weeds that you know but there's just no way that that sonar is going to penetrate into the into the weeds if they're outside the weeds sometimes you'll you'll be able to scan them then but otherwise if they're in that stuff you're you'll never know that they're there hmm. I mean you'll know that they're there if the bait is there but like you know <laughs> what I
1: mean you yeah. might as well just throw throw a lure out there then at that yeah, point Yeah exactly
2: how heavy exactly.
1: How
0: heavy are the lures you're using? Because you're saying how you snap the rod. Like I'm just, you know, because to a person who never really chased muskies, they, they don't. I don't think they really realize how big and how heavy those
2: lures are. Yeah, most of the time I'm throwing lures anywhere between like an ounce on the lighter end of things. I'd be like rattle traps and and smaller like almost bass style jerk baits in the spring. too, on the heavier end, you know, I don't throw anything up to a pound about the heaviest thing that I throw usually is about 10 ounces, but like you could do a pound even bigger than a pound for some of those guys in, uh, in Minnesota that want to chase those ultra giant fish. So you can get pretty big with them if you want.
1: (laughs) You do a lot of the sucker fishing.
2: Um, this fall was really the first time that I did much experimenting with it and had some success, um, which was cool. Um, I definitely used live pike a lot in Wisconsin so in the northern zone that's legal but down here just having the, the availability to get them is really difficult like the place that we got them I think was in Central City and my buddy who works in the Cedar Rapids area had to go pick them so when I fish one of the lakes over in that area I dropped my cooler off the one weekend and then the and then throughout the course of the week he got the suckers for me when he was in that part of you know, his range because he like works on um, substations and stuff for SIPCO, I think. And then, so then I met him the next, or I had him leave him on his porch then the next weekend for me to pick him up to utilize them the next couple of weeks. So yeah, just the availability is tough. I mean, fortunately they're very hardy fish. Those things lived on my porch for like 10 days and they were fine, but (laughs) just kind of crazy. But um, the one weekend i had a guy from minnesota come down and a guy from wisconsin come down and fish here which was a lot of fun um unfortunately i only got one day on the water with them but we got one sucker fish that day and then they went out so then that sunday that they were here it was just awful it was like 42 degrees and rain so we didn't fish that day and then they went out that monday and got another one on one of those suckers so yeah no i That's about all the more experience that I have with them. I usually run a bobber, but those guys didn't run a bobber. They just put like a, a weight down and then just ran the fish down like seven or eight foot and it just let it hang out, which I mean, that just depends on where you're fishing, if you can do that or not. Cause we ran into some issues doing that on some of the shallower spots that we fished uh, this past fall where they'll get hung up in the weeds or hung up in the rocks or whatever. Nothing like having a sucker get hung up in the rocks that you paid 10 bucks for and you're just like, oh God, <laughs> get out of there, buddy.
1: <laughs> see, see, one of the goals I have for this year is uh, so one of our local lakes has a musky fishery there. And mm-hmm. this might be blasphemous t- to some people, but when the crappies start moving up shallow, my plan is to hook a you know, catch a crappie. I'm gonna bring out my one of my catfish rods with a big bobber on there. I'm gonna throw that crappie on a on a big hook and a bobber just cast it out and hope something takes it. I know um it's not legal in every state but here in Iowa that is yeah, very are. legal
2: mm-hmm.
1: so. I don't think it's blasphemous. I ran one well
2: not last fall but two falls ago. drug one behind the boat all day, so I don't blame you one bit there um I actually had a guy. When I was fishing um in your area, tell me that he had uh, a muskie steal two off of his stringer one day when we were out fishing. I was oh. like, what? "Are you kidding me? That's crazy!" <laughs> Dude, well,
0: I'm
1: gonna make it happen.
0: How,
2: how <laughs> big of a crappie, though, Kit? How
0: big are a crappie? If if it's a 12 inch or bigger, are you gonna do it?
1: Yeah, whatever crappie <laughs> I catch, because a muskie will take down big oh, bait. Heck yeah! Oh There's... yeah, they
2: won't have any issue. I would almost. I would almost use a smaller one because I found out like this summer fishing with the live pike thing, there's definitely a range that they prefer. And if they get a little too big for what they want or a little too small, then they're not like interested. It's very weird. I found that like 15 to 18 inches was, that was the money zone because if it was like 20 inches, like we had one that was, you know, pushing that 20 inch mark and we were dragging it around. And I kid you not, we, we had a muskie follow that pike for over an hour and that was you know, that was at the time that we noticed it to the time that we noticed it wasn't there anymore. And it was just hanging out back there, following it around. So wow. I don't know if that would translate to the crappie game at all or not, but I would say like I don't know. If I was spitballing probably an eight to ten incher would be what I would go for.
1: Yeah. Max yeah, I, I mean, I was just I was just saying I would use whatever <laughs> crappie I catch, but I think uh since crappies are a little bit taller. Their profile is a little bit different. I mm-hmm, think they'd sure. have a they'd have a harder time with like a big tall fish compared mm-hmm. to a longer skinnier fish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, eight to ten inch fish because that lake also has some pretty nice crappies in it. Maybe a bluegill mm-hmm. if I can catch a bluegill. I would um, I would
2: do crappie over bluegill based on yeah. what I've seen okay. as far as muskies and their forage habits on on one of the lakes around me down here. I there's, it seems like they key in, like there's no shad or anything in the lake. And it seems like they key, on, key in on the crappies a lot more than they do the bluegills. Okay. And we, we drug a bluegill around this fall. And actually we saw one come up to it on live scope and it just sat there like this, just staring at it for like 20 minutes. And we're like, how long do we sit here and just wait for this fish to do something? And it just never did. And just okay, whatever. So mm. sometimes even when everything's right, it's
0: not <laughs> so early. I, I, so I don't know much, obviously about muskie, but so early season, like spring is coming up. Where are the muskies? Would you suggest targeting them at shallow, you know, deep or how does it work? Cause after ice out, you know, everybody's going to be out there hopefully with their boats or, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, mm. if I'm, if I'm chasing them, where would you start? Where would you recommend to start?
2: that that's going to depend on uh where you're at in that ice out period and that's uh, like such a cop out to that question but i'll go into more detail as to why because i struggle a lot in the pre-spawn and i know guys that don't struggle as much as me and and sometimes it's just a grind kind of thing so initially from my understanding you want to start targeting those areas that you would target like late in the fall some of those you know main lake points some of those you know, big structural elements that are going to hold those fish all year round. And then as that water starts to gradually warm or warms up more quickly with the sun and, and how that happens, you know, they're going to push up shallow. So they're going to start moving into shallow water. And I know from talking to other guys, I mean, they can get as shallow as, you know, a foot or two, maybe even shallower than that. Like, um, but that's just kind of one of those trial and error things. And, you know, they're going to be gravitating like most fish and prey items to that warmer, you know, to that warmer water as it's, as it's heating up. So, you know, if you're finding the bait fish and you're finding the prey, it's very likely that those muskies are going to be around there. And that's just like your typical spring stuff. You know, your, your North, what is it? Your North West, Northeast arms that are going to be, you know, getting that south wind, that warmest water pushed up in there. Um, those are good spots to look and, and just kind of do some trial and error. Because in my experience, you know, they utilize those channels, they utilize structural elements to kind of work their way up into those shallow areas. Or sometimes they just like shoot right up into them right away in the spring if it warms up fast enough. So I, I, it just kind of depends and it takes a little bit of trial and error. And the unfortunate thing with, with Iowa in that regard though, and this is not only my understanding, but just from talking to people too, sometimes those, those reservoir type lakes can be really difficult in those fish down in the spring. So people who are able to figure it out, like, you know, a couple of my buddies, like the Ridgeways, for example, Ryan, you know, some of those guys, Steve, that can figure it out really early on. uh, Kudos to them because I I've struggled with that. So I'm hoping that this spring, maybe I can turn things around and, and figure them out a little bit better before they spawn. But generally speaking, they spawn in temperatures ranging from like 50 to 55 degrees, but then you get into the conversation of calendar versus like uh, water temp and, and how that impacts things. Cause like the last two seasons down by me, uh, the muskie spawning has pretty much lined up exactly with like second season turkey. And, like, mm. I don't know why that's been the case. And we'll see if it happens again this year or not. But, like, that seems to be, you know, uh, a calendar thing that you can kind of pin down a little bit more. At least in my area, which is kind of more the southeast part of the state. But I'm not saying that that is transferable everywhere.
1: Um, I'm going to go back to the live bait thing. Are they, are they line shy? Do I need, like, a uh, fluorocarbon leader? Or can I just get away with my bright green mono that is for catfishing.
2: I would use, I can send you some links to some stuff. You're, you're definitely going to want steel. They'll go right yeah. through that mono or fluoro. Unless, you, unless you're unless you using like a 100 and whatever, 110, 130 30 pound fluoro leader, those teeth will just go right through it. And sometimes they do on, on the fluoro leaders too. Um, so I, I fortunately, knocked on wood, haven't had any issues with the fluoro leaders. I know a lot of guys... I, have never had an issue with them but i've also heard horror stories where official grab it just right and turn just right and shears it right in half so um if you want i can send you some links to some of that stuff i i may have already but i can send them to you again i don't remember but there's some companies like shumway and i can't think of some of those others off the top of my head but
1: so basically they're not lying shy (laughs) no if they
2: that's, it, that's the weird like a duality of muskies is like when they're ready to eat you can't keep it away from them but it's like getting the bait in front of them at the time that they want to eat is not always like the easiest thing to do for whatever reason they're just they're very window oriented as like most predator species are but i don't know it just seems like even in the ice season the fish were really window oriented this year for whatever reason i don't know but yeah I don't know if that's helpful, but hopefully
0: <laughs> you ever caught of musky through the ice.
2: No, we, we talked about trying it this year and we just never got around to it. And about the time that the biggest thing is it's, it's like, you know, you want to have enough area, enough tip ups, enough things to cover all those places. But then the weather outside has to be right too, because if mm. it's super cold, you know, and you pull one up through the ice and it's gill freeze, gills freeze up really quick and then you've try and release it and it dies well that's no good either so um you know having that weather right to be able to do it safely for the fish and then you know make sure you've got enough ice to be on is it's things got to line up Mm. pretty pretty well for that i know that guys do it um and and i know that some of those guys will do it to some you know to have some pretty legit success with it but i've never tried it myself no i usually just save it for the Open water that's it's a little easier to try and figure things out then for sure,
1: man. I didn't even mention that uh I'd be doing all all this stuff that uh any type of fishing for musies I'd be in the kayak and I don't know if you got any experience with that, but that's gonna be a whole different ball game, isn't it
2: yeah that'll be that'll be a bit of a bar fight for you. <laughs> I'd imagine that they would fit in into your into your catfish net though that you would use for cats i mean if you've got a net that you're you could potentially throw a 45 or 50 pound fish into at one point i'd imagine most muskies would fit in that wouldn't they
1: yeah i mean i have a okay size net i don't know if a 40 pound catfish would fit in there um but man i don't know dude guess i haven't thought about that part (laughs) yeah the that's going to be the
2: biggest thing for you in the kayak situation is like the safety with release. Cause one hand in the, in the wrong spot, you're either hooked to that fish or cut up from its mouth or something like that. And uh, I definitely am guilty of putting my hands in bad places. I'll like rewatch a video or something. I'll be like, Oh man, that was, I was not very smart there. (laughs) I was lucky, but Yeah. I mean, it's one of those considerations where it's like the the dog that caught the car kind of thing where you don't ever anticipate catching one. And then all of a sudden it's there. And then you've got, you know, this fish that's anywhere between 15 and 30 pounds, you know, right beside you with a mouth full of teeth. That's, you know, super strong. It's, you know, not always the most easy thing to handle or whatever. That's what I, some of these guys that, you know, will catch them on accident and just throw them in the bottom of their boat or whatever. You know, not knowing uh, proper fish handling and, and those types of things, and it's like, dude, like that thing could flop and like catch your leg or catch catch your hand, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh man, just like the thought of that makes me super nervous because I know I know what they can do, you know, when they're in a net, and it's like, uh, you guys need to be more <laughs> careful. <laughs> no, so
0: that's actually a good thing because okay, I've never caught a muskie if i accidentally do catch one or i'm i'm sure our listeners if they never caught a muskie if they accidentally catch one i mean whether you're on a kayak or on shore i mean what would you what would be your recommendation like how how do i handle it i mean what where what part of the fish do i grab or what what would you do in regards to that to to help the novice person who's never caught a muskie
2: that's a good question so i would say like the biggest the, probably the best way to do it if you're unfamiliar with how to handle them and like say you're bass fishing i suppose yeah. in this scenario probably like the safest place would be to just kind of grab them behind the head kind of by the gills your hands out of the danger zone and then hopefully you've got at least a pair of pliers that you can work to get it you know the hook taken out of there because i would say that 95 of the fish that you would catch bass fishing you could probably grab you know behind the head i mean you'll have the outliers where you got the random guy who catches a 50 incher on the, you know, bass whopper, flopper, or whatever weird thing, and obviously that's, you know, a whole different can of worms there, but you know, just kind of like a big pike, and if you can't get a good grip behind their head, you know, you know, try and get up under the gill and consider your hand safety, consider the fish's safety. It's it's just a tough thing if you're not adequately prepared for it, and it does happen, and, and that's just a tough thing to, when you're not expecting it to happen, that's a tough thing to kind of to to tackle, I suppose. And, you know, they're 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 and don't be fooled, even though they seem tough and mean or whatever, they're pretty fragile. So making sure to try and advocate and take care of that fish too. um, In those situations is really important. You know, we're very fortunate to have a DNR that puts a lot of money into those fish, into the stocking programs that we have, putting them in the lakes, making sure that they're taken care of in those lakes and monitoring their growth, monitoring the lakes. So that way people aren't taking fish out too early. So, yeah, just understanding that they're, you know, uh, a, a precious resource that there aren't a ton of them. And, and it's important, you know, to put that fish back so someone else can enjoy it, too. So I've um, I've been fortunate enough to have recaptured. I recaptured two muskies this year, actually. So that was pretty cool. One in Iowa and one in Wisconsin hmm. that I caught last year. One One was the same length because I'm assuming it was an old fish. It was looking pretty haggard. And it was 45 inches last year and exactly 45 inches this year. So I assume that that's just an old female probably towards the end of her life cycle. And then the other one was in Wisconsin and it was 44 last year. And it was 45 and a half this year. And I know it was the same fish in Wisconsin. It had a very prominent divot out, um, behind its dorsal fin. I don't know if it was just a birth defect or it got hit or something when it was younger, but there's no way it wasn't the same fish.
0: How'd you, you just remembered or you just you have a picture from previous,
2: how do you? Yeah, I have a picture from both of those fish from last year and then I was able to compare it. Well, and the one, the one, um, that I caught this fall here, that was a repeat from last year, has a very like prominent rash that I thought when I caught it in the spring was related to spawning, but I guess it might just be a scar or a spot that the fish has. I mean, it's, it's like big old, like red spot on its tail. So it's very easy to
1: tell. Gotcha. And it goes to show that CPR works. Darn right. It does.
0: Well, I mean, you're gonna eat the muskie anyways, are you, Kit? <laughs> I don't know. I've never I've never caught one, never eaten one. Have you ever eaten one, Matt?
2: <laughs> no. I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with that. Mostly just also because like the one consideration that a lot of people don't make with them is how long lived they are as a fish. And if you have any familiarity with Iowa's water quality, it's not always the greatest. So, um, you know, thinking about some of the the heavy metals and things in a long lived fish, if you were to eat one, because the legal, so like if we were to do the math on it, the legal limit here in Iowa is like 40 inches. And then if you were to harvest a 40 incher, I mean, you're talking a fish that's probably between eight and 12 years old, depending on if it's a male or a female. So you're talking eight to 12 years to eat fish, collect heavy metals. Like that's not, um, that's not something that I would want to put in my body. So (laughs) regardless of how good or bad the fish tastes and also like you get into the the resource thing too, where, you know, the DNRs, you know, those fish are like, it's like 30 bucks a fish to, to put one of those in a lake at fingerling size. So, I mean, that's a pretty substantial investment from the DNR. And I realize that in a technical sense, it is a put and take fish, but at the same time, I I would, you know, I'm biased, but like the equivalence between harvesting a put and take walleye where versus like a put and take muskie, I I don't think that that's quite the same thing, at (laughs) least in my mind. And I would hope that most would agree with that, but um, so that would be why I wouldn't do it. And also, like having clean larger pike, like that's just a pain in the butt. So, like thinking about doing that with a big fish would just be awful. <laughs> I just <laughs> they would just be a mess. So I'll just keep putting them back. I hope that everyone else puts them back and everyone can enjoy them and keep catching them and and recapturing fish because that's pretty darn cool. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, you gotta be desperate if you're gonna eat a musky. You can go out <laughs> and catch like literally anything oh, else. Yeah.
0: You know, tr- you're right, man. I mean, there's plenty of bluegills, There's plenty of crappies, there's plenty of walleyes, even catfish, channels. There's plenty. Yeah,
2: right. ex- exactly. I mean, the the type of of fish that you can harvest to to consume are just endless. I mean, the the, the investment versus return, even if you were to want to harvest a, a musky, just it. Just doesn't add up to me. Again, bias, but at the same time, crappie are delicious, bluegill are delicious, walleye are delicious. I mean, take your pick. <laughs> True.
1: I don't Yellow know. bass,
2: Basically, they're good too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Basically, anything else you could catch for a lot less money. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Effort. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you guys there. I wonder if Grandy's like, man, I would eat one. If I caught it, he's probably t- <laughs> testing the waters a little I, bit, trying to I,
0: kind of gauge your reaction. I'm I'm the type of guy that would I, I wouldn't say I'm just gonna keep every musky. No, I'm the type of guy that I've never had a Muskie. so I would wouldn't mind trying one just to see if it's any good or not. Hey, I tried drum that you know it wasn't that great to me, and then some people love <laughs> it.
2: Um, I've never had a musky. I don't know. I, not, I try to. <laughs> I tried a drum once. That wasn't too bad. I can also tell you too that most guides and me, if I was to guide anyone, will immediately put them back. Like most guides, <laughs> do a no, no capture, no kill policy at this point. So you might be out of luck on Hold that on. one. No, I'm not saying. Okay, people aren't
0: going <laughs> to kill me on this one. I'm not saying keep you know all the muskies. I'm just saying I wouldn't mind trying one just to see what it tastes like. I mean, none of us have ever tasted it. You guys are just like. Nope, no, no, but I would, I would be that one. I would, I want to at least taste it just to
1: see what it tastes like. That's but all. If you taste one, you're gonna have to eat the whole thing because you just harvested <laughs> a forty inch fish that weighs how, how much pound? You said uh, like twenty pounds, maybe? That's oh yeah, a
2: forty inch, a forty inch in Iowa should weigh probably around that twenty pound mark. Oh, yeah,
1: you're probably talking about fifteen pounds of meat there. So Whoa. you got like if you don't like it, you better eat that whole damn fish. <laughs> or else you're gonna waste fifteen pounds of fish. Hey, I don't get this big for wasting food, first of all, kid.
2: Anyways,
0: I don't know, man. Then how am I gonna ever get a taste it?
2: I don't know, man. But the muskie community is gonna rip you apart. Yeah, I know. I know.
1: Dude, look, <laughs> this, people are signing off right now. They're <laughs> <un-clicking>, like unsubscribe, <laughs> thumbs down. Never gonna listen to this guy ever again. Dude, uh, okay. I'm not saying I'm gonna
0: keep it. I'm, most likely, I'm not. I'm just saying. I just most likely. <laughs> I would just like, I would just like, the. I don't know. All right. This is the thing. If people are listening or watching. Let me know what what does a musky taste like? I have no idea. Is the
2: meat flaky? Is it soft? Is it rubbery? Hard? I have no idea. From the old from the old timers that I've talked to in Wisconsin, it sounds like just like Pike, basically. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So take that that, for what it's worth, I suppose. Okay.
0: No, I'm not going to. Okay. Everybody, I'm not gonna go out and try and catch a muskie and keep it to eat it. I'm just, I was just like, I, I would like to just know what it tastes like. But if if I'll, I'll go by people's word, if it if it's like a pike, a pike's
2: not bad. Yeah, I, I eat a lot of pike. I'm gonna be honest with you, but there's a huge difference between uh, helping clean out a lake and making sure there aren't too many hammer handles and taking a 40 inch or 45 inch out of the lake. There's a big difference there. <laughs>
0: I, I'd be too, honestly, no. Uh, I'd probably be too excited. Caught a big fish. I mean, if I catch a muskie, man, I probably wouldn't eat. <laughs> the, f- the very first one I catch, I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll be, like, be too damn excited. Hopefully, I can get one on this year. I don't know. We'll see. It, it, it all depends. I, I have a few spots. Maybe Fishing Kit will show me. I don't know. We'll
1: see if we can catch a muskie. A muskie? Yeah. Oh. Maybe? No? I'll just... Well, there isn't too many bodies of water around us that have muskie, mm-hmm. so there's not a whole ton of... We're, we're not going to be, like, inundated, like, man, where should we go to try to catch muskies around this? Well, you only got, what, two or three to choose from? Yeah, within yeah an two, hour. two
2: or three around you guys, and two or three around me. I think there's 10, maybe, total in the state, 12 total in the state. I mean, there's just not a lot. And there's, I think, one private lake with them, but there's just not a lot of options. I mean, I'd be glad to take you guys out for sure. Just, you know, there's just, and also like even keep, catching one keeper size is not all that common. I mean, to get one that would be considered quote unquote keeper size, you know, over that 40 inch mark, that's a, that's a tough mark to meet in, in the state for a lot of the bodies of water. There's,
1: you know, is there even, a better, you better watch out for that guy down there. If you guys catch a keeper, <laughs> <Cool
0: than ever. laughs>
1: <laughs> dude
0: i'm not gonna keep it right? right can't Jeez, man <laughs> like, this is a keeper i've never had one before <laughs> hey I, I, i'm not gonna lie if i have a couple beverages and then i catch one no just kidding i'm not gonna keep it all right guys just uh FY. but is
2: there a reason why we don't
0: have more bodies of water that has my, i mean uh,
2: i'm not i'm not really certain on that one to be honest with you i know that i know from the dnr that there's Certain standards that they have to meet, like with um, the like outflow and watershed, and, and like the water retention um, from spillways, because otherwise they'll lose them over the dam. Uh, I know that there's a lot of bodies of water that also have issues with that, with the walleyes too. Um, so that kind of narrows narrows the scope of lakes that can be, you know, stocked with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of that, you know, there's been a couple lakes that have gone undergone restorations of those spillway structures. So then that way they can retain those fish better. Um, I think a couple of years ago, one up by you guys was recently done. I think that factors in somewhat. And then the other thing too, is I just, they're an expensive fish to rear and raise. And, you know, you're looking at approximately anywhere between 25 and $35 to raise that fish up. Uh, to get it to that 12 to 16 inch size to help with, you know, help reduce mortality once they're put actually put into the lakes. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a drawn out process. And then you have to have the the ponds and, and the systems to kind of grow those fish too. So, yeah. you know, it, it's just, yeah, it, 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 just takes a lot. And, and honestly, like the, you know, the musky guys out there were very dedicated, but you know, there aren't a ton of us. It seems like it sometimes, but, you know, compared to how many guys are happy to catch walleye or happy to catch a large mouth or a small mouth, you know, our numbers are much smaller than those guys. So um, I guess I, I you know, I, I don't want to speak for the DNR on that one, but I would imagine that those are factors that that play into that quite a mm-hmm. bit, too.
0: Yeah, we can ask them next time we have them on kit and um we're we don't have any hatcheries here that does the muskie do we get, or do they get it from uh, out of state uh, i don't know was. Uh, what
2: was i i can't remember if spirit spirit i can't remember if they rear some in raffin and then they distribute them from there i i can't remember it's one of those and then they they distribute them from one of those bigger hatcheries again and i know that some of those programs and stuff have changed over time because initially you know they used to stock a bunch of tiger muskies um yeah. in, in our lakes and the tiger program was huge because um it, it must have been easier to rear them or raise them or something because you know there was a lot of lakes that had them and um but unfortunately the tigers for whatever reason do really poorly in hot water so then you know their mortality was like you know 85% or something silly like that so then they kind of abandoned that program and then never replaced it in some of those lakes with the the naturals and then some of those lakes they ebb and flow and you know, if, if they go through restoration, maybe they had muskies before and then they don't now. So I, d- I don't know what informs those decisions and don't want to speak for the DNR on that one. Other yeah. than just I know that they're an expensive fish to rear. And yeah, and there's only certain lakes that they feel comfortable putting them into success wise, you know, for the public kind of thing.
1: Yeah. You back? Yeah, I'm back. Sorry.
0: <laughs> man, Can't so there,
1: there's got to be a thing for that, man. All right. Yeah, you got to let me know, man.
0: Anybody got the uh, Canon M50, I, stupid camera shuts off every 30 minutes, man. Got to figure it out. I have no idea. There's no outside plug for it. There probably is. I just not educated enough on it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> All right, everybody, FYI, I am not going to keep a muskie. Okay, <laughs> relax. Everybody's probably freaking out like, dude, this guy's going to go and catch a musky. I mean, first of all, I suck at fishing. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to catch a musky. And if I do, I will not keep it. I, I promise you guys. I'll take amazing pictures if I can mount it. So that's the biggest thing because we, we, we had Jimmy uh, uh, from from Lawrence um, Taxidermy. But as long as we measure it right, take great pictures, he said should be able to do a replica of it, so... Yeah, yeah I would get say... a replica? I, I would I would get a... Dude, if I catch a musket, like, like 40, 50-incher, shit. Hell
2: yeah, I'm going to get a replica of that.
0: That'd be badass. Man, I would that's... say
2: definitely go the replica route. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Based that's... on based on the way some of those natural mounts look like in, in some of the places in Wisconsin and stuff, go the replica route.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to yeah. keep it. I mean, come on, like you're saying, dude, if I catch... A 30 pound muskium, like, man, it's old as hell. I'll, I'll release it, but I'm gonna take amazing as good as pictures as I can so I can mount that. That's fish a
1: lifetime, man. For me, man, that's pricey. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, shit. they're
2: not cheap. You're looking at like, I don't know, probably in between 700 and a thousand bucks, depending on how big the fish is and which uh replicator. Replica
0: person, taxidermist. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, no, but uh, Lawrence taxiderm he does amazing, and yeah, it's it's gonna be pricey. But you got to keep in mind that's like a trophy. That's why you putting it on your wall. That's an art. That's a that's you know you're you're, you know know what I'm saying. So even if it's a grand, it's like that's something that you're gonna keep there for the rest of your life, no matter where you move. You're taking that shit with you. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's one of those things. Like hell yeah, I'm gonna hell yeah, I mount if I catch one like that. for sure
2: yeah my big conundrum is if i get a tiger in northern wisconsin because the lake that we we fish a lot they're naturals there so it's like it's you know a musky egg that was polluted with you know pike um milk i guess is, is that what the term is for the fish i don't know anyway sperm, sperm, sperm. yeah sperm man. so but anyway <laughs> they're naturals there so like it, it's a little bit more special i mean they're all special, but like when they're purposely like out West stocked, like the tigers are to help control the rough fish. So that the trout and the salmon can grow up bigger some in some of the Colorado lakes, um, they're, they're not natural. Whereas these ones, you know, that's just part of the ecosystem. So figuring out how big or maybe small in a certain context that they would have to be for me to want a replica has kind of been an interesting conundrum to mess around with in my own head over the, last few years as we've caught some okay tigers out of there, but nothing like crazy. Mm-hmm. I think 38 is the biggest that we've caught, but I know that there are far bigger ones that have come out of there and far bigger ones that I've seen people catch out of there, so it'd be cool to run into one of those at some point.
1: What would it take for you, Kit, to mount a fish? A fish? Yeah. Man, I don't know, dude. If I got a state record okay, of any fish. That's what I was going to say. I was like. I'd get I'd mount it. Not that I, I wouldn't mount the actual fish. I'd get a replica. Yeah. I mean, unless I couldn't save the fish, like if the DNR had to come out and certify it or whatever, and the fish dies. I mean, I would try to keep it alive, but it, I think it had to be like a state record for me.
0: I don't think you can get a state record without it
1: um dying. I'm sorry. You could keep it alive. If you what? can keep it alive and they come out um, and do all the, whatever they need to do. So, okay. I don't know.
0: That's actually, that's a great question. I mean, let's say you caught a massive fish, right? Like you want to keep it alive and you want to release it. I mean, how, how it's a state record. What do you do? Cause you, nobody's going to believe you take pictures or whatnot of it. Right. Cause they, they're going to want somebody that's either you take it to a bait shop or somebody has, do you just call it Iowa DNR? I don't even know how that works. Is that, how does
2: that I work? I think you, know, you call the fisheries biologist in your given district or area and they come out and they'll certify it. But as far as like um, the fish being able to, to stay alive or not, I think that just depends on the resources that they have. Cause like there's certain places like Texas, for example, with their share lunker program, like they're weighing fish and keeping fish alive all the time. But then like, you look at the Minnesota state record that was just broken for muskies. Like apparently the story is that that fish choked it really bad and then it ended up bleeding out and dying. So then they went in and weighed it and did all the things to certify it because the fish didn't make it anyways. But I don't know if there'd be a way to just weigh it on its own without that. If, you know, you had it in the bag and it's just sitting there and you get the DNR to come out and check it out. I I don't know.
1: Put it on a stinger and stay at the <laughs> lake until they get there. <laughs> I mean yes, I don't know. See?
0: Alright, that that's the, we'll we'll have to ask that. I would either you know, I'll jot that down to get because you no, know, it's it's very it's a very valid question. If you catch a monster and you want to keep it alive and you want to release it, I mean you don't want to take it to the you know, anywhere to it's not gonna make it most likely. So how do you you know, the only way you got to call them, like you just said, and they're going to, are they Sunday at eight or seven, you know, PM? Are they going to come out and measure it for you?
1: I don't know. Just, just bring a trough in your truck with an aerator <laughs> just in, case, just that in c- case. So everybody should carry one of those. Yeah. Just
2: like a cattle water tank, you know, yeah. with a bubbler in the back at all times, just in the rare instance that you'd get a state record. Yeah. yeah. See, exactly. <laughs>
0: Oh, there's got to be a better situation for that, though, I would
2: think. I don't know. I think that's why, like, some of those places have moved to, like, length-type release records. Or some places have both. They have, like, the old-school, you know, they have the old-school record, and then they have the catch-and-release record. Yeah. Because I've heard of a couple of fish that would have broken that Minnesota record that were able to be released that, you know, the people weren't willing to kill, Yeah. you know. Um
1: I think yeah, even if things. even if I couldn't make it official, if I knew it was like the state record fish, I'd get all the measurements, take pictures, and yeah. if I knew that the DNR couldn't make it out, I'd probably get that fish back and I'd still monitor. Like, well, this is what I caught. This is what the measurements were. Unofficial state record
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure.
1: But at, at the end of the day, it's just a number in a book, right? Like- yeah. And then, well, I'll probably be recording when it happens anyway. So, there you go. If it, anybody wants to believe me or not, I'm like, well, got this video. Check it out. Yeah,
2: exactly. Dude, you I never...
1: mean, pre- just preserving those
2: memories is awesome. So, yeah.
0: you never carry a weight or tape measure, anyways,
1: kid. You just like, <laughs> and then you let it go, anyways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I carry two... a tape with me. Oh, okay. But you I pull... rarely ever care to pull it out. See?
2: <laughs> when he... When he pulls those wipers out of the out of the ice, and then he slaps them on the ice, and its rod is right next to it, and he's like, "Well, I got a thirty inch rod, and the wipers like as long as the rod." Yeah, he, that yeah. kind of speaks for itself.
0: It works. That's it. Yep. See, he doesn't know. He he never he never weighs what he never measures. it. he's just like, yep, it's a big fish. Let's it go. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a couple pounds. <laughs> See,
1: nobody, oh, nobody believes you anyways when you do that stuff. Very true. Even if you have a tape. Even if you have a scale, your scale is broken, or you're measuring it wrong. I'm sure you've guys seen all those type of comments.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's usually why, like a lot of guys in the muskie community have gone away, and I'm sure that that's like that for the other fishing, the other side of fishing too, where a lot of guys aren't even posting weights or lengths anymore. It's just like caught a big fish, cool. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and argue about how long it is or isn't with someone else. You know, if I decided to bump the fish, then cool. You know, one of my buddies from Canada just put out a video about this exact thing to where people grandstand a little too much and, and are a little too willing to critique other people. Cause there's just no, you know, people don't really understand the relevance, you know, there's different relevance to different places in terms of, you know, what a fish is. Like a good example of that would be, you know, a musky, you know, a musky down here that's like 38 inches. Like that's a nice fish. That's a really good fish. I'd be happy to have that fish any day, but like, you know, someone in Northern Minnesota might scoff at that or someone in Canada might be like 38 inch or we see those all the time. Like, you know, it's, it's all about the relative nature of where you're at. You know, another example is I put that I don't know. I just, I, I, I pulled a kid. I didn't measure that wall. I was like probably 23 or 24 inches. Like it was like my first or second trip out on the ice this year. And I posted it to TikTok, and I was like, big walleye. And it's, everyone's like, that's not a big walleye. This is a big walleye, <laughs> yeah. which TikTok's a dumpster fire anyway. But like, yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to get into that, but like, my point being is that uh you know a 23 24 inch walleye down here is that's a really nice fish that's a really big fish like those don't come around very often but you know if you're fishing in northern minnesota wisconsin or in canada you might see those a little more often i don't know kit cause it tick toxic tick toxic that's accurate it's i never knew that i never knew that there was such a critique to like cleaning fish or cleaning crappies oh. or Get your
0: walleye. <laughs> yeah. kids, kid's the like, the, like the the greatest worst walleye flare of all time on TikTok. Oh
1: man, <laughs> I don't know. It, I think it probably has the most views out of any walleye flaying video. I was surprised, like, wow, holy shit, how does this have half a million views? But man, those comments, man. <laughs> <laughs> like why are you going so
0: slow quit quit talking why are you explaining how you're how you playing it kid jeez
1: like don't my cut this way you're supposed to cut the other way man. my dad's been cleaning
2: fish for 50 some odd years and they're like yeah no that's not how it's done it's like oh, it has been working for quite a while for it <laughs>
1: yeah go yeah go. yeah matt matt's got a taste of the, the TikTok. <laughs> it's like
2: what the heck and then the, they tried to like censor my video or whatever i got flagged community flagged for it i'm like what and <laughs> i appealed it and they put it back on there but of course like all the traction was done so which is probably fine because then i got a lot less hate comments after that
1: <laughs> the, I, I feel like with tiktok it's just uh, once your video gains traction, it's just throwing it out to random people. They probably don't even care about fishing. They're just yep. scrolling through and then you see this. Oh man, F this guy, man. <laughs> they <just> Talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty
2: much.
1: Yeah. World of social media, gentlemen. Got Which what reminds me I need to do another batch of TikTok videos.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you
0: you you tried to uh replicate that, but it never worked. Yeah, I give it
1: some time. I'm just gonna throw out like what Matt was saying, like with the YouTube Shorts, just throw out a whole bunch of stuff. If something sticks, cool. If yeah. not, it's whatever. Like if I could monetize TikTok, that'd be a different story. But uh, I don't know. I don't think the it, fishing TikTok's a really huge thing.
2: Well, and it doesn't exactly drive traffic to your YouTube or whatever. You know that you do want to monetize. It's not like people are they're like, Oh man, that video is awesome. I'm going to click on it. Oh, his profile's great. Oh, he's got a YouTube too. So I'm going to click on his YouTube. Man, these videos are awesome. I'm going to subscribe. (laughs) That's like a five step process to try and get someone to like get engaged with your content. And, and maybe you have, you'll find that one guy, but it's going to be like one out of 10,000 people willing to take that amount of steps to get where you're going. It's just not realistic. Very true. My students my students pay attention for like twenty seconds or twenty seconds to a TikTok. Like you're not you're not getting someone to take five steps to <laughs> get, <laughs> yeah. get to your YouTube from your TikTok. Yep. No, very true.
0: It's just it's just exposure. That's all that is a little bit and yeah, I don't it's, know. It's it seems more like hate than anything else on TikTok. I don't know. I think it's funny as hell. I, I read your guys' comments. I <laughs> just go <laughs> there. Like, like, dude, that's the funniest shit ever, man. I was like, he's just clowning on you guys. I was like, love it to me. It's just it's <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> but I don't know, man. It is what it is on that. Um other than that, man, you got anything else for Matt Kit? uh
1: yeah if our audience wants to reach out to you whether that's through your youtube or if they want to ask you some musky questions how can they do that
2: yeah if if uh your audience is looking to reach out uh again i'm more than willing to talk fishing or you know try and guide someone to to the right answer at any point in time so they can reach out to me on you know, on any of my YouTube videos, if they want to, you know, direct message me on Instagram or Facebook at, at Matt Vavrock or Matt Vavrock fishing, more than receptive to that. You know, um, if you are wanting to potentially even book a trip with me or book a trip with other people, like, you know, I, I'd be more than willing to explore those ideas too if, if the dates line up. So again, I'd probably direct you to some of my other, other buddies first but if if they're booked up and, and free then maybe we could work something out but i'm kind of trying to think about exploring maybe getting into the guiding side of things a little bit but we'll just have to see how that kind of formulates i'm, I'm trying to work on some of that stuff so we'll see
1: for, uh, sure, if for you, sure if you need a test um yep. right here right here <laughs> yeah i'm more yeah, than two. happy to have have both of you in the boat um
2: with the summer it's been fortunate that i've been able to put some people on fish family members and stuff i've had some guinea pigs so you know i've got a little more confidence than i had in previous years so i'm starting to explore this avenue a little bit more but i'm being exceptionally cautious because i don't want to step on any toes or you know kind of bite the hand that that fed me and and helped me grow as as an angler either so you know that's just kind of Dipping the toes in if, if someone was to want to, I would explore that. But I, someone's got to reach out first. So, for sure. <laughs> for sure.
0: No, let us know. Uh, that, that's pretty awesome. And, uh, like you said, man, I, I think everybody, if, you know, if you're listening to this, he, he, go check out Matt's channel. It's pretty cool to see him catch some amazing fish and then get get people on some amazing you know fish that i I've never caught so I'm still hopefully this year get a chance hopefully fishing kit myself gets a chance to get out with you Matt would be nice um but other than that man you know just just keep grinding congrats like I said on the new baby congrats on the, the th- a thousand plus subs you know you're on your way up to ten thousand so they'll be the next step and then um, other than that, man, it, it's been fun talking to you about musky fishing and it got me a little bit excited. I, I have some, I, I really do want to catch one and I'm going to release it. Relax everybody. If you guys are, <laughs> you everybody freaking out, relax. I will not keep any musky cause I'm going to be too damn excited, but I will mount it if it's a, uh, mountable fish for sure. So other than that guys, man, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks fishing kit. Don't forget, check out his channel, YouTube channels, all of our YouTube channels. Um, Give us whatever support you guys can, man.
2: Really appreciate you guys having me on. And hopefully we can find some time to get the boat together this year. That'd be awesome.
0: Sounds good, brother. Till next time, guys. Sounds good,
2: man.